Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it has been about a week or so uh, since we had the sentencing of Brent Waltz and John Keeler, both tied to the to the gaming industry. Uh, join us on the news line and kind of figure all this out and where it goes from here with the, with the gaming industry, gaming industry in particular, is our good friend Ed Feigenbaum, who's also the editor of In Gaming. Uh, so, Ed, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you. Likewise. Thank you for having me on, Abdul. Not a problem. So let's go ahead and get started. First of all, uh, what was your reaction uh, to the sentencing for Brent Waltz and John Keeler? Brent Waltz, 10 months in prison, a $40,000 fine, a couple years of uh, court supervision. Uh, John Keeler, uh, two months in jail, five months uh, home detention, and a $50,000 fine and some change. Well, I don't think that there was any real surprise to any of that. The Waltz, uh, Waltz sentence was precisely what the federal prosecutors had called for. There wasn't a whole lot of, of uh, actual defense in court you know, on the part of, of Waltz and his uh, sole attorney to the, um, the recommendation, and they kind of put up uh, only a nominal defense to – um, there or actually offense to their request for you know a lesser time. You know, Waltz had, had really sought 640 hours of community service. Wanted to uh, to do some things for the Burmese community on the south side of of Indianapolis, Johnson County, and tried to relate that to a sentence that a now former congressman from Colorado had gotten in a conduit contribution case just about um, two months ago. But the judge wasn't having any of that, and I think it was pretty much a a token defense um, against the the federal recommendations. The Keeler um, sentencing, I think, was a little bit more interesting because the the feds had asked for um, a little bit more prison time. They they wanted five months of of prison time and five months of of home detention. But I think that they recognized that they were up against um, some pretty strong odds with, uh, with John Keeler. Keeler made a, a real strong case for um, a lesser sentence based upon his character and his record, um, quite different than the, the Brent Waltz uh, life of service that was, was presented to the judge. And Keeler made a, a pretty emotional plea, um, basically a, a, a good admission of responsibility and contrition, remorse, um, to the judge, and he had a, a strong retinue of supporters in the courtroom and um, 83 letters of, of reference on his behalf that were submitted to the judge. And, and the judge made a pretty big point of, of saying that, that he recognized that, that he understood that a lot of the people that had shown up um, had a lot to lose by potentially associating with, with Keeler and that they were willing to, to risk that and make the point that they felt that that John Keeler, you know, should get the lighter sentence. And Keeler had a, a very strong legal team, four attorneys in the courtroom alone, two from Washington, D.C., and two from Indianapolis. And they made a 
very, very strong showing in refuting the cases that the federal government had tried to show supported a longer prison sentence. Um, they were able to distinguish virtually every case from the uh, the Keeler circumstances. And in the end, the judge, I think, looked at the totality of circumstances and, and felt that two months was appropriate for uh, Mr. Keeler in prison. And I think the that um, when you look at everything that happened in that courtroom and that went into it in terms of both the federal sentencing memorandum and the, the killer response, that the judge was essentially saying, you know, I'm not sure that, that Mr. Keeler deserves prison time, but I think that we need to do this um, because we need to show people that um, this is a crime and we need to have some deterrent effect for the crime. And I think that this is an appropriate sentence given the message we need to send. Our guest on the program today is Ed Feigenbaum, uh, Indiana Gaming Insight. Uh, talking about the, the sentencing of Brent Waltz and uh, attorney, uh, former uh, lobbyist John Keeler. Uh, it was, it's interesting uh, because when I, when I sat down and uh, shortly after uh, the sentencing last week uh, spoke to Waltz, I was just sort of I was amazed at, at just sort of his response. And I've, and I've known Brent for years, but I was just sort of, my, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I, 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 can't, I, I can't think of any other way to say what is, I can't figure any other way to describe it. Oh, and Abdul, you need to pat yourself on the back. Um, everybody else is doing that, and, and I think you need to recognize that. That interview was, was just a masterpiece, and I, I think... You know, you you also showed some extreme restraint uh, that other interviewers might not have have done. And you know, as as an attorney, I think that you understood that you know he he may have been uh, digging himself a a little bit too deep in a hole there. But uh, I, I'm not sure whether I should say fortunately or unfortunately. You know, he was not under oath on on your interview, and um, it was very interesting to see the difference in the question of responsibility and remorse um, that was expressed um, to you by him and that was expressed in his sentencing memorandum and to the judge in person in court. And it calls into question, I think, an awful lot of, of what he admitted to and what the judge believes that he admitted to in court. And the fact that he's willing to go out on such a limb now outside of court um, is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, there, there are still some potential consequences that he could face as a result of doing it. And I'm not sure that, that he quite understands as a non-lawyer and as someone who's not been um, part of the system associated with the uh, correctional system. I'm not sure that he understands. And it's interesting because as I as I and, and I think you're absolutely right because when I when I spoke to him and he gave me his response of like hey you just signed a plea agreement I mean does any of this go against the plea agreement because you it's it's like a breach of contract between the between the state and and the defendant absolutely and and you know neither of us really practices you know federal criminal law to to any kind of significant extent and and to no extent in, in the case of, of, uh, of me, but, you know, in, in terms of, of watching things over the years and talking with, with people who, you know, do this on a daily basis, have done this for a living, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot that the judge can necessarily do, um, even though it seems like 
Wallace has contradicted everything that he did say under oath. Um, there's not a real opportunity to haul him back in unless you know he, he ends up back in court on some kind of, of ancillary or peripheral issue related to this case. But if he does, then there may be consequences. Um, it seems like there could be a little bit of discretion applied on the part of, of the probation office and the uh, U.S. Bureau of Prisons and perhaps by the judge in terms of an assignment to a facility. It was very interesting because um, John Keeler's attorneys you know, asked for a specific assignment to the federal prison camp in um, um, Montgomery, Alabama, which is one of the nicer um, facilities in the system and, and very appropriate for a white-collar offender. Um, Waltz did not ask for any particular assignment, and that's kind of unusual. You know, people usually ask for, you know, one of the uh, the, the better conditioned kind of facilities like, like Keeler did or something close to home or something that that might be appropriate for, you know, a certain kind of, of medical treatment that they might need or believe that, that they were going to to uh, to have to face, you know, in, in the, the near future. Waltz did none of that. And the judge then has, you know, discretion to say where he thinks he ought to be assigned. The Bureau of Prison has uh, the ultimate decision. But, you know, looking at this, they could say, okay, well, you know, this, this guy, you know, really um, kind of dissembled in court and we're not uh, happy with the way that, that he treated us and the court. And, you know, maybe he ends up, uh, you know, for his 10 months in Yankton, South Dakota, which is not one of the uh, the nicer atmospheric prisons. You know, it, it's just incredibly cold up there in, in the wintertime. And, you know, it's not one that's favored by a lot of, of offenders. But there's still really just not a whole lot that the judge can do, that the BOP can do. Um, you know, obviously, when, when you first... Um, enter the system as a uh, federal inmate. You have to spend a little bit of time uh, at the um, the, Met was it the Metropolitan Correctional Center, uh, the, the BOP facility up in Chicago, which is kind of a, a like a transition, thing. yeah, right. And and there's an opportunity for the feds to keep you a little bit longer there. And that's not exactly the nicest um, place to be. And, you know, you're not with other minimum security inmates. You're not in a minimum security facility by any means up there. So, you know, perhaps they might keep them a little bit longer there. Um, you know, there's also the, the prospect that, you know, someone along the way may say, okay, well, you know, we're going to get back at you by uh, what what they they refer to affectionately in the in the uh, the federal system as diesel therapy, um, where if if somebody has has kind of come down on the wrong side of of a warden perhaps or just the the general federal system and and word gets around that this person is a a problem inmate, well you know if. That trip from Chicago to, uh, say, he were to be incarcerated in Terre Haute, might go through, oh, um, Billings, Montana, and Boise, Idaho, and Bakersfield, California, and, and Edmond, Oklahoma, whatever, and a very bouncy um, 
carbon monoxide filled um, Bureau of Prisons <laughs> bus with with you know not not your closest friends and you know you're you're getting jarred on every bump there and they they kind of use that as a way to kind of get around some other regulations and it's it's certainly not illegal to do so and but we don't know that but that's that's still one of the things that you know he he might see just um in terms of of uh retaliation of sorts for what he did Ed Feigenbaum with us. Uh, Ed Feigenbaum is a big big gaming guru here uh, in the state of Indiana, writes for the Hannah News Service and also Indiana Gaming Insights. We're talking about uh, the, the the sentencing last week of John Keeler and former state senator uh, Brent Waltz. Uh, and I want to uh, sort of expand our conversation a little bit and say uh, when you look at what the federal government was doing, who they're, who they're looking at, uh, is this over or are there more people who should that you and I both know who should be worried? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think one thing that really needs to be emphasized, Abdul, is that you know the gaming industry in Indiana, the casino gaming industry, has been around since essentially 1995, and this may be the the first real black eye that we've seen. Yeah, there was an indictment of of and actually conviction of of former U.S. Senator Vance Hartke for electioneering in the 1994 referendum in in Lawrenceburg uh, over the the river boats but yeah that was just kind of a peripheral thing and it, and that whole incident was was basically a joke and Hartke didn't know what he was doing and and he just pleaded to that and it was a nuisance kind of thing but there there's never been a a big bribery scandal or anything like that that we've seen in in many other states and in many other states um you know, South Carolina, Kentucky, Arizona, we've seen um, sting operations by either the the FBI or, in the case of Arizona, the, the state uh, government, the uh, local prosecutor in, in Maricopa County, um, using gaming as the um, the lure, as as the excuse, you know, because the the prosecutors felt that this was a way that. You know, they could bring in some big money and make things look like there were big operators and and snare uh, legislators in these different schemes. We've not seen that in Indiana. So this is the the first real instance of something. And, you know, to say that the industry has gone this long with only this perhaps happening, you know, is is certainly a credit to the industry. It's a credit to the regulators. It's a credit to our General Assembly. Now, that said, you know, it's been an open secret for the, the last couple of years. That there's been a, a grand jury investigation going on involving the Indiana gaming industry, um, potentially ensnaring other public officials as well. And this is not the first time that we've had um, federal prosecutors here looking into the gaming industry specifically. And in fact, um, during his tenure as an assistant U.S. attorney here, um, Zach Myers, the current U.S. attorney, was investigating the gaming industry, and this was, you know, a good dozen years ago. And he's back now, and I'm sure that, you know, looking back at his experience back then, you know, he he might feel, gee, you know, I'm able to do something now that I couldn't do back then, and. You know, we've we've all heard about um, all the different subpoenas that have gone out to individuals, to agencies, to companies, and you know a lot of people thought, okay, this is the culmination of it. It's not. 
uh, there's still uh, there's still activity that's going on. I'm not sure that all of it is necessarily even centered on Indiana. And I'm not sure that, that when all things are said and done, that Indiana will even end up being the focus of it. But there are certainly people that are tied into the industry here in the state that uh, you know, have some potential very strong exposure. And the grand jury was meeting, um, you know, to my knowledge, as recently as December, and I'm not sure you know, what what kind of activity we've seen since. You know, the the secrecy over this is just tremendous, and the only way that we find out about things, you know, really, is by talking to people who've been subpoenaed because they're under, you know, as, as we've seen with with Donald Trump and and his associates, you know, they're under no obligation to uh, to keep things quiet if, if they've been subpoenaed or if they've been called to testify. So that's how we've been finding out about those kinds of things. And, you know, things have been a little bit quiet lately, but, um, you know, now I think we may see a, a ramping up of additional activity. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend, Ed Feigenbaum. Ed Feigenbaum writes for the Hannah News Service and also Indiana Game and Insight. Uh, just kind of putting uh, last week's sentencing uh, of John Keeler and former State Senator Brent Waltz in perspective what this means for, for the gaming industry uh, as a whole. Ed, let me ask you a final question. Uh, if I was a member of the gaming industry or associated with the gaming industry, should I be worried? Only if you've done something wrong. Um, and I think that there are a number of people that uh, you know, have, have kind of skated over the last few years. Um, and at the same time, there are a lot of people that um, are on the right side of everything that are very disturbed by the fact that they see everything as, as business as usual in the General Assembly, in the industry, and people seem to be ignoring, um, you know, the reality, uh, the fact that, that there is a serious investigation and that that people involved in the industry believe that some things have, have not been on the up and up over the, the past few years. So if if you have nothing to fear, um, if you've done everything right, you're, you're fine. Um, if you've crossed lines, if you continue to, to be a transgressor, then I think um, you've got some legitimate concern. All right, Ed Feigenbaum with us, Hannah News Service, Indiana Game and Insight. Ed, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.